up in blue jeans, and if I, if I fell down and tore my jeans, I got a spanking. And they threw them away. Yeah, and we trashed them. So, I, I, yeah, I got to change. Huh? I, you know, one of the things I thought about doing before I came was bring me a knife. I was just going to cut holes in my knees, right? But, I, you know, I tried to be cool and not ha- wear any socks. I got those little footy things on. I think they're down around my toes now. <laughs> the price you pay. Oh, we are thrilled to be here today. My wife, Sharon, and I are just thrilled. Uh, Pastor Philip and his wife, Kelly, and his father, Alan, and Ann, they're, they're dear friends of ours. And uh, I, it's amazing to me how God can take people of such diverse ages and make them into friends. I'm as old as his parents, yet Philip and I are close, close friends. And Scott's a good friend of mine. All of these guys are good friends of mine. It's a good, good group of people. And I think that you are blessed today, actually throughout this conference. You know, Philip didn't bring in a bunch of evangelists. He brought pastors. He brought people who have a heart like his for the lost For those people out there that desperately need what we have. And then what he did, he set this conference up and he put all the PKs first. That's preacher's kids in case you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Scott's got his hand up over here. And and Josh last night is a PK and Monty is a PK and I'm a CK, a corrupt kid. I didn't grow up a preacher's kid. There's not another preacher in my whole huge extended family. There's lawyers and doctors and dentists and all of that, but not another preacher. So, I, But I am just absolutely thrilled to be here today. Uh, I'm honored to be asked to speak to you uh, at the Encounter Conference. And, and what I want to say to you before I say anything else, every one of you here, the ones in the blue shirts, the lead team, Pastor Philip, Kelly, all of you are to be praised for being willing to do what you've done. And we know something about that. Uh, One of the things I've never been afraid of, Scott, is change. You know, when I became a pastor, I'd been a practicing lawyer for almost 30 years when I became a pastor. I've only been a pastor a little bit less than 15 years now. Uh, Amen. That's what I said when God said, I want you to be a pastor. Who? (laughs) Who, me? I'm 51 years old. I'm too old to be a pastor. But I guess he expected some things out of me. And what I'm here to talk to you about is expectation. That's not the title of my message. But, you know, God, back in 1989, after I'd lived in the world for a very long time and thought I had it all together, sent a man to us, to me, at lunch one day. And as we're sitting there eating lunch, I didn't know this guy from Adam, really. I would hired him to work on a case for me. He sat across the table from me and said, Terry, I don't know you from Adam, but God's given me a message for you. And I said, well, Bob, go ahead. I was so far from God, it didn't matter what he said. And he said, God said to tell you, he wants you back. Well, that's kind of what I said, Alan. I said, wow. 
you could say that to anybody. I mean, that, that would be true for anybody. And God knew what I was thinking because the man went on. He said, further, so God, God said, so you'll know this is from him. He said to tell you, he saw you slam your fist down on that table and yell at your wife, I don't know what you want me to do about it now. I've already made the decision. Word for word quote from a fight that we had two days before behind locked doors in our law office. I promise you, no one else heard that. Well, he had my attention now. And he said, further, so God said, so you'll know this is from him. He said to tell you, he, your wife is on the verge of suicide, your marriage is falling apart, and your finances are crumbling. Every part of it was true. Every part. And then he said, uh, we have a minister in our church tonight, if you'd like to come. It's Thursday night. Don't go to church on Thursday night. I don't go to church, Period. And I went back to my office, and I I closed my doors. I pulled the blinds. I got it dark in there. I was shaking, and I said, Sharon, come in here. We work together. Sharon's been my paralegal and my bookkeeper as long as she's been my wife almost. Longer, huh? Longer. So I said, come in here. i got to tell you something. I told her the story. I said, he invited his church tonight. I think I might go. She said, well, we'll see. And so at 3 o'clock that afternoon, we went to our marriage counselor. We've been seeing her for months sat in that marriage counselor's office and said, we won't be back. She said, we won't be back. We're getting a divorce. I hate him. And the woman looked at me and said, Terry, say something to her. I said, why? That's the first same thing she said in months. And we left. And we went to church together that night. And here we are today. Amen. So the first thing I want to tell you, following up on what Scott said about marriage, God can fix anything if you're both committed to what he will do in your life. Amen? God can do it if you expect it of him. And I told people early on in my career going to church, I wasn't in ministry, I said, but God called me in such a powerful way, I expect that he's going to do something great with me. And, you know, I can't stay up here and say I'm great in any sense of the word, but he called me to be a pastor, and that's pretty great in my book. And so what I want to say to you today is that you need to expect some great things from God. You need to learn to expect some great things from God because let me tell you something. Your expectation can never be greater than his power. Your expectation of what he will do in your life can never be greater than what he expects of you. No much, no matter how much you expect. But sometimes to get what you expect from God And I've heard this over and over again. I could have just gotten up here and said, instead of preaching a message, I could have said what he said. Yeah, and what he said, and what he said. Because it was all wonderful. And I I heard at least two of them touch on something called your comfort level, your comfort zone. You see, you will never get the best from God You will never get what you expect from God if you're not willing to leave your comfort zone. 
You know, when I became a pastor, we were in a church. It was right after, well, it was sometime after I became pastor, but it was right after Katrina. We were in a building we rented, and we went into this building. It was a church building, and I'd always heard that if you want to move the piano off the platform in a church as a pastor, you need to do it an inch at a time where no one ever notices. We went into this church. They had an upright piano on the platform. I said, I don't want that there. Get it out. Yeah, and I suffered some consequences. I did. I said, I want to rename the church. This was way back. They said, that's not good. We've renamed our church three times since I've been pastor. Three times. And I know what you're going through and what you're dealing with here because even after we renamed it the last time to Acceleration, we in effect relaunched in August of 2014 to become a church that is focused and has the vision of winning the lost in our community and making a difference where we exist. And so you could have stayed like you were as Heartsees, a comfortable building, running 400 people or so. You could have stayed in your comfort zone. You have great worship. You had comfortable digs. You didn't have to rebuild the things that you've rebuilt. You didn't have to undertake what you've undertaken. You could have stayed in your comfort zone. But because you have great leaders... And because you have great workers among you, you didn't elect to stay in your comfort zone. Instead, you broke out of the comfort zone. You took a step toward what God expects of you, and you are looking for what you expect from God. And He will do it because you have embraced change. You know, there's a term, a Latin term for staying in your comfort zone, for staying where you are. It's called the status quo. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about saying no to the status quo. Saying no to the status quo. And the number one reason that you need to stay, say no to the status quo is because you expect something greater from God. There's a story in the Bible about that. If you look at Mark 5, it's a lengthy story. I'm going to read it to you and then build on it. But let's look at the story. So Jesus went with him. This is the man that came, Jairus, the story of Jairus' daughter. Jesus was going with Jairus to heal his daughter. And so it says, Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all. If I'd known y'all were going to put all that up there at one time (laughs) and expect me to read it, I'd have broken it down. (laughs) Y'all didn't know that was back there, did you? That's all right. I can read it right here. I got it. And spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew, everyone say, worse. 
When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, everyone read this with me, I will be healed. Immediately, everyone, immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her, not just her bleeding, not just her sickness, but her sufferings. And once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding around against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking. I want to stop there. Wouldn't you love to be the person with everyone else crowding around the Lord and you be the one that touched him in a certain way that he said, who touched me and drew power from me? Wow, if I could just be that person. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know, I've learned some things in my time living for God. It was 1989 when that incident happened that I told you about. That's 28 years ago. Uh, I'm 65 years old, so I live for God as long, lived without him as I've lived for him. And so I have, I think, not unique, but I have a perspective that some people don't have because I had a lot of life living without God. I've had, I, look, I'm transparent. Scott talked about being real. I'm real, y'all. This is my third wife. If I'd had God in the first two she probably wouldn't be here because God would have fixed one of the other marriages if I had been living for him. So I, I have a vantage point of living for God and living without him because I know what God can do to take a life that is totally messed up, totally, come on, I'm just going to say screwed up and turn it around and make something out of somebody that, who really thought that he was okay. I was a lawyer after all. I thought that I was all that. I didn't realize I was one messed up, screwed up individual that needed something desperately, but God knew it. That's why he sent that man. So I've learned some things. And what I want to say to you this morning here is I don't believe there's one of you in here right now who would tell me that you're not expecting something from God. That's why you're here. You wouldn't be here on Saturday morning if you weren't expecting something from God. Just like the woman in our story, you expect something great from God. She expected to be healed, set free, and she was. The sad fact, the sad fact in our world today is that many people have an expectation from God, but they will never see the results of that expectation because of some things that I have learned are roadblocks. 
to God doing what He wants to do in our lives. There's some things that if the woman in our story had allowed them to happen, she would never have received the miracle that she expected when she went out. And here's the first one. We become comfortable with the way things are. After all, she'd been dealing with this sickness for 12 years. I'm sure she had learned how to cope. She'd been to a lot of doctors, but you don't live with something for 12 years without learning how to cope with it. And what happens when things go on in our lives for so long, I'm not saying that you're comfortable and that you feel good about it. It's just that you learn to live with it. You learn to live with it. And so because it becomes an accepted part of your life, You lose the desire, you lose the incentive to get rid of it. You become comfortable where you are. It's easy to do. And you know, I've got in my notes, I was going to say to you honestly, you know I'm not wired that way. But every one of us is. When I got to thinking about that comment I put in my notes, I began to think about the things that I became comfortable with in my life. Things that I allowed to exist in my life that I know didn't need to be there. Things that weren't right in my life that I began to live with and become comfortable with because I wasn't willing to take the steps to get them out. And so those things blocked my expectations of what God could do in my life. We learn to live with our difficulties, with the status quo. And it can even happen to a church. Look at this, Revelation 3.16. Jesus talking to the church at Laodicea. So because you are lukewarm... You've become comfortable with what you've got. You've become comfortable with your building, with your worship, with your people, with your crowd. You've become comfortable that no one new is coming. You've become comfortable because your church services are off the charts. But who are you seeing that's new? And can I add to that? Who are you seeing that's new off the street? Not somebody new from another church. We're not in the church robbing business. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spew you out of my life, out of my mouth. If you get comfortable where you are, your expectation will never come to fruition. Here's the next roadblock. Lack of effort. You know, I told Scott before I got up here, I said, you know, all you guys that's been preaching a long time, your preacher's kids, they put your, put your little blurbs up here and they're two sentences. Philip sent me an, a, a message, said, do you have some message notes we can put on the screen? I said, what's that? <laughs> so I sent him my notes and this is it. Lack of effort. (laughs) 
Lack of effort is a roadblock to God, to your expectations from God. Lack of effort. It's too hard. It's too much for me to do. I can't. It's more than I can accomplish by myself. After all, the woman had been bleeding for 12 years. She must have been weak. She must have been tired. She probably was anemic. She had to get up. She had to get dressed. She had to get out of the house. She had to go out into a crowd. She could have just said, I'm comfortable. And it's too much work to get what I expect today. Too many people think that God is just going to dump blessings on them because they believe He will. To them, that's faith. Well, I'm sorry, y'all. My faith has never worked that way. And if you believe that God's just going to dump it on you with no effort, how do you explain this scripture? Proverbs says, all hard work brings a profit. But look at this. But mere talk leads only to poverty. I can talk all that I want to talk about what God is going to do in my life. I can spend hours talking with you about what I expect God to do in my life. But if I don't get off of my donkey, the Bible has another word for that. If I don't get off of my donkey and do something, it isn't going to happen. In Arkansas, where I grew up, they say, it ain't going to happen. See, Pastor P didn't just sit back and say, I expect God's going to renovate our stage. You know, the first thing I did when I got here yesterday and Alan came up to say hello, I I looked at his hands because I knew what I was going to see. And I looked at Philip's hands because I knew I was going to see the scabs and the scars and the marks from the nails and the cutting and the stuff they and splinters. Because they didn't just sit back and say, I expect that God's going to make it all happen. No, they got in here. They gave their effort. That's why they were here till 2 o'clock Thursday, uh, Friday morning and back at 5.30 yesterday morning. Because Pastor P expects greater things from God. And because he does, he's willing to make sure that he does what has to be done to make a way for God to step in and fulfill expectations. You know, there's another whole message in the second chapter of James on expressing your faith. Through the work that you do. But I ain't going there today. I'm sorry, y'all. I get so wound up in this stuff. I get intense. I'm sorry. Here's the third thing that will block your expectations from happening. And it's simply no goal. No goal. Now, we in the church world call it vision. And it's the same thing. You need to have a vision. Scott talked about taking the church, being a pastor, not having a vision. I did the same thing. 
I had no background as a pastor. They elected me. I, I had begun to preach a little bit, but the church elected me pastor off of the pew. And some people said, pew. And I did stink it up for a while. You don't have to agree with everything I say, darling. <laughs> she does that at home all the time. <laughs> I had no experience. And so I did what? I built a Frankenstein ministry too. A little of this, a little of that, a little of this and a little of that. And you know what? It started working finally pretty good. At least in our little area for a Pentecostal church, it was working pretty good. But you know what I found? A pastor asked me, he says, why do you think you're not winning your community? Because I'd expressed to him that it seemed like everybody that was coming was just somebody from another church that we weren't winning anyone off the street. He said, why do you think you're not winning your community? I had to step back and take a look. I had to step back and say, you know what? We're not doing anything that would draw somebody off of the street. We're not doing anything that somebody off the street that doesn't know anything about church, that doesn't know anything about Jesus, forget church, that anybody off the street who doesn't know a word, a thing about my Jesus, we're not doing anything that would make them want to come to this place. We're all churchy. We're a mess. And because I didn't have a vision, I didn't even know, frankly, what to expect from God. And see, a woman in the story she didn't just go out to see Jesus. She didn't just go out to see what he could do. She didn't even go out to ask him to heal her. She went out with a goal and a vision and an expectation. I'm going to push through the crowd no matter what it takes. I'm going to put out the effort. I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm going to make a way that I'm going to get close enough to this man and I'm going to touch him. And I will, I expect that I will be healed. She had a goal. She had a vision. Can I share something with you today? If you don't have a goal, if you don't have a vision, you're just going to go around in circles. I wish I could claim that. The pastors and preachers sitting here know that's straight out of Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people go in circles. So I didn't make it up, but it's in there, believe me. People just say, I've heard this as a pastor. Well, bless God. I'm just waiting on God to show me his will. I don't know what God wants of me, but I'm sure if I just stay here long enough, he'll show me. Well, here's another thing for you. I've talked about lack of effort. You can't let your work define the vision. 
we did a lot of work when we were Frankenstein, didn't we? And we let that work define our vision. You cannot allow your work to define the vision. You must make the vision define the work. You must make the vision define the work. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners... i got a minute and 25 seconds left. God. Do you not... What he said, what he said, and what he said. I'll see y'all later. (laughs) Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, determine what the prize is, then put in the work to get it. So let me move on. So to, so to get the best from God, those are the roadblocks. So to get the best from God, there's things that we have to do. We see it in our story. I've learned that to get the best from God, to get what I expect, there's some things I can't ignore. I can't ignore these things. I've got three of them. First, and this goes back to effort, I've got to expend means put out, put forth the effort. Mark 5, 24, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And then 5, 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She was willing to expend the effort to get what she expected. You know, there's something coming up pretty soon. It happens every year. It's got a strange name. It's called Black Friday. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands because some of you would lie and sin and go to hell. So I'm not going to ask who's going to get out there in it. But we all know people that are willing to go and camp on the, on the concrete to be first in the store. We've all seen and heard the stories of the fights in the store over the last toy. They're willing to do what it takes to get what they expect. Are we as Christians willing to do the same? Will we put out the same effort? Would you camp, if if you knew this place was going to be packed this morning, would you have camped on the concrete to be the first one in here? To get what you expect from God? Some of you would fight a war to get the last article that they say has a super good price. But in here, we have something that's far greater than any price. Are you willing to expend the effort to receive what you expect from God? Here's the second one. We need an encounter with God. Scott touched on that this morning. I love the name of your new church, Encounter. I think it's an awesome name because it means when I come here, I expect an encounter with God. It means when I step in the door, I expect to encounter the living, awesome God in this place. An encounter is a meeting, a face-to-face meeting with someone. So each time I come to this place, I expect an encounter With the living God. Just being around him isn't enough. There were people pressed all around him. But I don't read about anyone else receiving a miracle. 
I know there were other people that must have touched him, but they didn't receive anything from him that we know of that was worth writing about anyway. I need more than just to be around him. I need an encounter. I need a face-to-face with the living God that I serve. Jesus said this, John 5, You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Jesus was saying, You need an encounter with me. You need an encounter with me. I have everything you hope for, everything you need, everything you expect. You need to meet me face to face. I don't know where this scripture falls chronologically with the story of our woman. You know, the Bible isn't fully chronological. So I don't know where it falls, but I have to believe that the woman must have heard him say that. You need to come to me. And she took heart. She took it to heart. And so Mark 5, 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind in the crowd and touched his cloak. The story says people were pressing all around. They were circling him. But she pressed in with a purpose to have an encounter with the one who would change her life. There are way too many people, way too many churches just circling around out there today. Circling around. And you can go, you can sit in their services, and you can circle all around Jesus, but you'll never have an encounter. You need to be in a place like this where you will have an encounter with the living God. So my question to you today is what will you make this place to be? Because it's really up to you. Will you just circle the throne? Or will you come here each and every time with your mind made up that I'm going to do what it takes to have an encounter with the living God who created me? Will you press through your difficulties? Will you press through your fatigue? Will you press through whatever stands in the way to have a real, authentic encounter face-to-face? And here's my last and closing point. Matthew 9, 21 says, She said to herself, I've switched books on you. Same story. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. I will be healed. Sounds like an expectation to me. It's not if I slip up and touch his cloak something might happen it's not if I get close enough something might happen no it's if I touch his cloak I will be healed I expect something from him no she said I don't care what it costs She was unclean after all. To even be in the crowd was against the law. And to touch a rabbi like Jesus was a violation of the law. She was violating law after law after law. But she said, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care how hard it is for me to do or what gets in my way. I'm going to press in. 
I'm going to press in. I'm going to press through the crowd. Out of my way. Out of my way. Get out of the way. I've got to get to Jesus. I expect something when I do. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to press in. I'm going to touch Him. And when I do, I know that I will be healed. That's my expectation. I'm convinced today that many of us don't receive the life that Jesus came for us to have because we don't ever expect to. Or maybe you're just one of the ones who's waiting to go to heaven and you don't expect anything better on this life. I'm sorry, I can't join you there. I can't go where you are if that's who you are. Because my Bible says that Jesus came to give me life and life more abundant. My Bible says that the kingdom I'm living in today, His kingdom, is righteousness. Right relationship with Him. It's peace that's respite from the chaos and the turmoil that the enemy would surround me with. And it's joy. Not just happiness, but happiness Rolled into contentment. Rolled into well-being. Rolled into prosperity. Rolled into absolute enjoyment of the life that I live. My Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, Now faith, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let me start at the end. There's a few things I'm certain of today. I'm certain of some things I don't see today. I'm certain that the presence that I feel right here, right now, in this place, is the presence of God the Creator. I'm certain that the presence that I feel right now throughout this building is the healer who can do whatever you expect. I'm certain that what I feel in this place but do not see Is the God that I serve. I'm certain that this God that I serve with my life but do not see is the very one who saved my marriage, who healed my body, who carried us through the loss of a son and made me pastor of a wonderful church. I'm certain that this unseen God who is pulling my strings Because I've surrendered everything to Him. I'm certain that this unseen God is just like He did for the woman with the issue of blood. It's going to do the things that I expect of Him. I'm sure she'd never seen that happen, but she expected it. And so I'm certain that the things that I've learned to expect will come to pass in Him. You see, because that Scripture goes on to say, faith is being sure of what we hope for. And I read that to say that faith is being certain that what I expect from God will happen. Listen to me today. You see, my faith 
my expectation my expectation defines the limits of what my faith can do so I want to ask you here today do you have expectations of our God do you expect anything from him do you have situations in your life things that you expect that he could fix things that you expect that he would do do you expect simple question for you right now that if you make the effort to come to get out of your seat to push down the aisle and come to this altar for a face-to-face encounter with God, do you expect that he would fulfill that expectation? And I end with this question. I guess if you don't come, you'll never know. So the altars are open. Do you expect something from God? Come with expectation. Don't come otherwise. Expectation. You don't need someone to lay hands on you. God is in this place. I want you right now to take your expectation. If your eyes are closed, you look him in the face, you can see him in your in your vision, in your heart. Look him in the face, face-to-face encounter right now with Jesus Christ. And say, God, I know that you will. I expect it right now. Come on. In Jesus' name. Lord, move throughout this sanctuary right now. Heart to heart, face to face encounters with each one who stands here today right now. I speak into their lives, Lord, and I say, let it be done. Let it happen right now. Expectations fulfilled, lives changed, bodies healed, addictions removed, just dissolved and gone. In Jesus' name. Every expectation, Lord, we come and we touch you right now, face to face. Let it happen in Jesus' name. Come on, let your faith, don't let your expectations limit your faith. Come on, God can do it. He will. In Jesus' name.